Well, the week the disciples had was, uh, you know, it was one of those weeks, wasn't it? That the way it started out, seven days beforehand, was full of all kinds of hopes and dreams, big expectations. And if you were here last week, we celebrated and recognized that, that beginning of the week, Holy Week, where in a very triumphant fashion, Jesus, on a young donkey's colt, rides in Jerusalem as a king. And everyone's shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And their plans for that week, I imagine, were, were looking good. And then the week kept going. Do you ever have one of those weeks where how it starts out is not how it ends? And halfway through, it got a little too quiet. They're sitting around the dinner table. Things are peaceful. It's a Passover meal. And then, then someone mentions something about their broken body and their shed blood. And the week starts to take an odd turn. And then there's prayer in a garden and people not staying awake. Everyone's awake here. And, and disappointment and then betrayal, a fake trial, and then a crucifixion. And so the way the week started, it's not really how it ended. And the expectations, the hopes, the dreams, all those things seem completely shattered. Anyone ever have one of those weeks where how it started out was not how it ended? And yet when one week ends, another one begins. And that's where we find ourselves in the story, between weeks. Because as one week ends, another begins. And so maybe you've had one of those weeks Maybe you've had a series of those weeks. And you're kind of expecting the weeks to come might not be a whole lot different. Yet for some reason, on this calendar day, you've paused long enough so that maybe something else might happen. Maybe you've been part of, of this church community for a long time, though couldn't be too long. We haven't been around for a long time, four years or so. Maybe you've only recently been checking things out here, or there's a good chance that some of you are here for the first time. And why you're here and what you, what you think you might experience, I won't presume to know. But I can imagine that, uh, that the week the disciples had uh, might speak to us as well. And so we're going to look in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And so if you brought your Bibles, you're welcome to flip there. If you want to use the, the Bibles provided under the chairs... It's on page 882, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And you can follow along on the screen as well. And so the week has just ended. And again, ended badly. But a new week is about to begin. So let's join the story. John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. 
So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. We're pretty sure that's John, the gospel writer, just being coy. pretty clever way of getting yourself in there don't want to draw attention to myself just the, the disciple jesus loved and she said to them to peter and john they have taken the lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him and then peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb and the two were running together but the other disciple outran peter and reached the tomb first So a lot of running around here at the end of one week and the beginning of another. Anyone do a lot of running around during the week as one week changes from one to the next? Mary's running back and forth. Peter and John are running. No one's quite going to the same pace, the same direction. There's just a lot of running around. It sort of begs the question for them. And maybe a good question for you. What are you running from? It's a good question, isn't it? What are they running from? What are you running from? Is there anything? As you look at your life, what are the things that you try to stay one step ahead of? Whether it's the money running out or death, and everything in between. That pretty much covers it right there. Um, What are the things you're running from? What is it that keeps you looking over your shoulder? That's a great question. It's a good question. What are you running from? So think about that just for a moment. Maybe you're not running from anything. What's everyone else running from? That's a good question. Here's a better question. What are you running to? Oh, it's important to stay one step ahead. (laughs) And yes, there are things you probably should be looking over your shoulder, wondering and worrying about. But to just run from something is is mere survival. But to have something to run to, that's something to get excited about. Do you have something that pulls you into the future? Do you have something that's out before you that you're pursuing? And on this calendar day, that'd be a good question to ask. In fact, that'd be a better question to ask. What are you running to? And so I find it encouraging in all this running around that Mary and Peter and John are doing, that no one's quite doing it the same. They're not quite going in the same direction just yet, and they're certainly not going at the same pace. You know, Mary's running back and forth. Peter and John are are running. But Peter, you know, can't quite keep up with the young guy. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting into the Peter zone with some of this crew here. And and so it's somewhat comforting, comforting, I think, for the broad spectrum of people that are here every Sunday, and perhaps this Sunday more than others, to know that we aren't all required to run at the same pace. 
And that we're not all going to show up at the same time. And whether that's a good thing or not, let's find out. But a good question. What are you running from? Better question. What are you running to? And so we pick it up again in verse 5. And we'll go to the very beginning of verse 8. And so it says, John bent down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came. You know, kind of catching his breath there. You know, a little pain in the arm. Uh, slows down. Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up. In a place by itself. And then the other disciple. Who reached the tomb first. Also went in. So different paces. Arriving at different times. Responding in different ways. Mary going back and forth. So maybe you relate to Mary. As you're figuring out what's got your running why you're here, you know, big picture, and even here this Sunday morning. Maybe you relate to Mary, and you go back and forth. Or maybe you're more like John, that you get there, but then you hesitate. And it's interesting, John gets there first, but there's a line. He's not quite ready to cross. And he stops. And he ponders that line. Or maybe you're more like Peter. In an empty tomb, you know, you're just going to plunge headlong in. And so they all have their own way of figuring this thing out. And maybe you relate to one or the other. But then it says, all of verse 8 and now into verse 9. That then the other disciple who reached the tomb first, who we believe is John, also went in. And he saw and believed. Stop right there. I wonder how many of us have heard that passage before. Maybe even heard it preached on, a, on even an Easter Sunday. And it's given this, this rather grand interpretation that, that John's eyes were opened, that he got it, that the whole thing was finally clear. And then we don't quite get to the next verse, which says, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. He believed, but he didn't understand. What an odd combination of phrases. Anyone live in that tension? I believe, but I don't understand. I want to believe, but I don't quite get it. And so what's going on here with John? What is it that he believes? What is it that he doesn't yet understand? 
Because if some of us are relating to his story, that'd be good to know. Well, why is he run here in the first place? What was it that Mary told them? The tomb is empty. And so he finally goes in. Remember, he paused, he hesitated, wasn't quite ready to cross that line. Then he saw someone else do it, and he decided to go himself. And and he believed that, yes, indeed, the tomb was empty. That something had happened. But he, along with the others, didn't yet understand. And it's pretty clear. They didn't understand the implications of that. They showed up at an empty tomb, but they hadn't yet seen the risen Jesus. Can you show up at an empty tomb and miss the risen Jesus? Yeah. And that's what's going on. And so the implications, the the meaning of that. And again, in a group this size, where people are all over the map spiritually, I strongly suspect that there are some of us who who kind of believe, want to believe, have a generic belief in this empty tomb event, but don't quite understand. And especially don't understand what it could possibly mean in my life. I know that's where I was at, uh, sort of my early teen years, that the whole idea of this, this calendar event called Easter, I sort of believed this empty tomb thing. Something happened. It was important. We dress up for it, right? You know, it's got to be something good. Uh, but I didn't understand which is odd, but it took a while. But if you're in that tension of somewhat believing or wanting to believe, but not yet understanding, you're in great company. You're right there with the gospel writer, John. And so, and so there's this need to be in that tension for a while. But I think it's interesting that with John, it doesn't start out with belief. uh, And it doesn't end with full understanding. That he actually has to cross a line before even the belief starts to happen. There's uh, this great, great church theologian, uh, deep thinker, writer, Anselm of Canterbury from the medieval period of the Christian church. And he's one of, the, uh, one of the great thinkers who helped us in this shift towards really valuing the mind and the intellect as part of, of faith in pursuing Jesus. But he had this, this powerful phrase, this idea that didn't put the intellect and the understanding above faith, but instead thought it should be enlisted on the behalf of faith. And the phrase he used was that it should be faith Seeking understanding. And so for some of us, the place we're stopped, the line we won't cross, is faith altogether. And we see with John that that's that's not where he stops. That he comes to that line, he doesn't want to enter the empty tomb. But it's not until he does. And begins to come to terms with 
what seems to be taking place, that the belief part starts. But does he bring some doubts with him? I'd say he brings all his doubts with him. And he's doubting on the other side of faith. It's one of a favorite phrase of mine. Not original with me. But I remember it helping me kind of in my early faith development. That instead of denigrating doubt and saying that all doubt should be removed, uh, which is certainly not what scripture says. Uh, a lot of other people prefer it that way, but it's not what God says. That instead to bring those doubts kicking and screaming across that line of faith and then believe, but not yet understand. And for John, at least, the understanding can't even happen until some barest essential of belief begins to kick in. And so that's the experience they're having. It's Easter morning. The week has ended badly. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. What are they running from? What are they running to? They don't really know. And so in that tension, in that confusion and doubt, with the barest beginnings of belief, it says in John chapter 20, verse 10, that then the disciples returned to their homes. They returned to their homes. Can you show up at the empty tomb and miss the risen Jesus? Yes. Can you be there and experience something that's going on and then just return home? Yeah. And for a lot of us, week in and week out, or maybe... On this particular day, this is, a, this is a special calendar day. And for your mom or your spouse or because it's a good tradition or because you've meant to do it for days and weeks and finally Easter just, just got you around to it. You've shown up. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But is it possible to show up, miss it, and then just return home? And so far, it's not looking good. The disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, these are definitely guy angels, a woman why are you weeping? Seriously, with the tears? Come on. Angels are a terribly sensitive lot, apparently. But Why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. 
can you show up at the empty tomb and miss the risen Jesus? Yeah. Can he be standing there? And we just don't understand it. Absolutely. Not a very encouraging Easter message so far, is it? It's... I have to rework this for the evening because uh, you know most of us are here because of the empty tomb. But how many of us are here for the risen Jesus? We're probably all here for the calendar event. But are we really believing that there's some cosmic event that it represents? And in all our running around, as one week ends and another begins, and the busyness and the distractions and the good intentions and what we hoped the week would hold, and then it doesn't always play out that way, it is possible, even today, to be at the empty tomb, And miss the risen Jesus. And Mary's about to miss it. And then Jesus says to her. Pick up in verse 15. Apparently the angels come by it honestly. Because he says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Even Jesus doesn't like women crying. I, I don't just makes us guys uncomfortable. You know. Not the best question. We already had some better questions, right? A good question, what are you running from? A better question, what are you running to? But then Jesus asks the best question. And he says, whom are you looking for? What are you running from? It's a good question. What are you running to? That's a better question. Whom are you looking for? That's the best question. And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus speaks to her. And he says one word. He says one word that makes all the difference. It's the difference between showing up at an empty tomb and seeing the risen Jesus. And for Mary, that one word is simply her name. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognized him. She showed up at the empty tomb and she recognized the risen Jesus. Why? Because he recognized her and called her by name. And so in all the running around and what we're running from and what we're running to and whom we're looking for, the one thing That'll slow us down long enough to not miss what's going on 
is that one word. For me, it was Jason. Not terribly complicated. It's when Jesus calls our name. And so the bad news is, we can do a lot of running around. And we can completely miss it. We can show up for a calendar event and miss the cosmic event. We can come to celebrate this vague belief in an empty tomb and completely miss the risen Jesus. That's the bad news. The good news is there's someone calling our name. And from my reading of Scripture, in my own experience and seeing this at work in the lives of others, Jesus does not stay silent in our lives. And so because of that, Mary, who's been running back and forth, stops and begins to understand what is going on. And apparently, she is so moved, she throws herself at Jesus' feet, you know, probably still sobbing uncontrollably, hugging his legs. And, and again, he maybe, maybe makes him a little uncomfortable because he says, uh, he says, do not hold on to me. Verse 17. Don't cling to me, I think another translation says. Because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Don't cling. Go and tell. Don't just grasp this, but share it with others. And verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene went. And announced to the disciples, the first gospel preacher of the risen Christ is this Mary. Nothing to recommend her. Rumors about her background and her reputation. The first gospel preacher of the risen Christ goes and announces to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So who are you running from? That's a good question. What are you running from? Who are you running from? It's a good question too. What are you running to? Whom are you looking for? And in that running around and then slowing down long enough to maybe listen for that one word, as we look to Mary and John and Peter, Maybe there's something in their lives that that speak to ours, that give us some encouragement, a little bit of hope that in all the running around, we too might hear our name, that we too might figure something out and begin to understand, not merely believe. And so maybe you're more like Mary, who with all the crying and running around and all that, you know, very emotional. That you are moved deeply. And in Mary's story, you see some of yourself. And as someone who's not always terribly emotional, uh, let me say, that's okay. That is a legitimate way to experience Christ, 
to be drawn to what he is calling you to is to be like Mary, a person deeply moved that follows her heart but then lets the will and the intellect catch up. But her heart gets her there first. And if your heart is drawing you towards Jesus, go for it. But maybe you're more like Peter, who pursues things more aggressively. That the whole touchy-feely thing and figuring it all out and all that, that's not you. You just want to get something done. And you're a man or woman of action. And unless you're doing something tangible and of value, you're never going to figure it out. And one of the things that holds you back from this, this idea of following Jesus is that it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of following where you do stuff. That you've bought into the idea that it's, it's more just emotions or it's just a bunch of big ideas. And again, let me encourage you. No. Be like Peter. Plunge into that empty tomb. Who knows what's in there? Jump out of the boat. Cut some guy's ear off. Jesus will just slap it back on. You know, careful how you apply scripture. That, that may not happen. Don't cut off ears. Um, though, again, that'd be a great Sunday service, wouldn't it? Let's put that back on. Uh, and you may need to stomp and wrestle your way through the issues. And until you do, it won't be real. But let your intellect and your emotions catch up also. Or maybe you're more like John in this passage. And he's the one that I relate to. And just knowing a little bit of the makeup of this particular church community and and sort of how the demographics uh, split out, uh, I strongly suspect that there are a lot of people here that live in their heads. A lot of engineering types and, and deep thinkers and philosophical folks that, that need to figure it out. And as one who that was true for, again, let me encourage you. That is a great way to pursue Jesus. But let the emotions... Let the will catch up also. And so reach your conclusions. Pull stuff apart. Figure it out. But when you come up to that line like John did, be willing to take that leap of faith that crosses it. And then seek understanding. So three different types of people that sort of run the gamut. And that all show us that it is possible to show up at the empty tomb and miss the risen Jesus. But also who give us hope, beginning with Mary. And as we know, eventually Peter and John and the others. That as Jesus calls their name, these incredibly different, incredibly diverse folks. Some more emotional, some more action-oriented, some more intellectual. At least we like to tell ourselves that us intellectuals, but all of them finally experiencing the risen Christ. And so who are you? You're exactly who God made you. 
And Jesus calls you by name. And this is not a calendar event. This is a cosmic event. And each one of us is part of that. And so my encouragement, whether you've been exploring things of faith for a while, whether you've been a follower of Jesus, as these folks were, for years, or whether you're showing up here for the first time, I want to encourage you to not show up at the empty tomb and miss the risen Jesus. Let's pray. So God, we do thank you that you broke into our human condition. That through the scandal of your birth, life, death, and resurrection, you came into time and space. And that this calendar event called Easter meets us where we're at. And I thank you that whatever kind of person, whatever type of personality, whatever place we are spiritually, that you desire to meet us there. And that if the cross tells us nothing, it tells us that you are willing to go the distance. That because of your heart and love for us, because of the mind of Christ, because of the desire to fulfill your Father's will, you went to that cross, died in our place, and left an empty tomb. And so my prayer for each person here is that we would arrive at that empty tomb and we would listen. Because if we do, we will hear that one word, our name. And because we are called, we will experience the risen Christ. Make that the reality for each person here, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. And so each week, we give space for people to respond to whatever God is doing in your hearts, in your mind, in your will. And one of the best enactments of that is at this table. At this table where... Where in the bread we tear apart what is Christ's body broken for us. And in the cup, we dip, representing that blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. In this table, the way we celebrate it here, it is a very open table. That doesn't mean everyone should go to it, but it does mean it's open to everyone. It doesn't mean we should go unknowingly 
just because we believe. But it does mean you don't quite have to understand it all. Because this week, when it first rolled around, at that table were, were those who wanted power and position. James and John were invited to that table. There were those who opened their mouths and, and made promises their bodies couldn't keep, like Peter. There were hypocrites and morons and, and even the likes of Judas who would betray Jesus. And so if they were welcome to the table, do you suppose you are as well? And so I would encourage you, if you are seeking after that Jesus, if as you answer those questions, what are you running from? What are you running to? If you get to the best question, whom are you looking for? That if you've decided in your life it's Jesus, this would be a great way to represent that. And so the table will be open for the remainder of worship. Come and tear a piece of bread, dip it in the wine or the juice, at any of the three stations that are labeled there, and take and eat it for nourishment while you run around, but also for a grounding in the person who runs with you. And if you need to pray, have a conversation, I'm available, Scott, Mike, others here. I'll hang out in that back corner, but feel free to seek us out. Amen? Let me pray for our communion. So God, now as we continue worshiping and as we examine our hearts and minds and wills, we make a decision on whether we want to pursue you this day. And so use these elements of bread and cup to be to us your broken body and your shed blood because it's only through them and through you rising again that we have peace and are made right with God. Help us take these not in a worthy manner, but in a thankful manner because of your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue worshiping as God leads you.